is Your Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a speaker and a career and executive coach, and today we're going to do something different. My team and I have come together to design a COVID-19 survival guide series to help you all navigate this new normal during an unprecedented global pandemic. We'll be featuring health and wellness experts, career thought leaders, and guests who can help you survive and we hope thrive as we continue on this uncertain journey of the coronavirus. So today I'm really thrilled to welcome Michelle Merritt to the show. She's an executive strengths coach and owner of Merfeld Career Management. And we're going to have a great conversation about the reality of the employment landscape in light of this pandemic and how you can manage your career and get through this anxious time. Michelle, welcome to the show. I am so grateful to feature you as someone who can bring great wisdom to the table. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be a part of it. Listen, I am thrilled and grateful to you. Okay, new normal, right? A few weeks ago, uh, everything shifted. And uh, I rarely date stamp our podcast, but I will say we are just on the cusp of April, right? It's, It's a day before April actually starts, April 2020. So we've been sheltering in place for a while right now. And seems like we're going to be here for a while, at least the foreseeable future. And so many people have become recently unemployed in secure jobs because of the uncertainty of COVID-19. So what's your thought? Should people be looking for a new job now? Should they sit tight? You know, what should the anxious unemployed person be doing? Right. And, you know, I think it's one of the things that's so important is that you've acknowledged the anxiety and the uncertainty. I think it is a scary time, but I also think that it can be a time full of great opportunity. So what we're advising clients to do is assess where they're at right now. Now, you know, you may need something to get you to the next step. You know, some, unfortunately, some people live paycheck to paycheck. And so you we've got to take a realistic look at, how, how long can I let this employment gap go? And I think you have to have a real honest conversation with people at home about that and what that may look like for you and for your family. But regardless of your industry, take a look at the industries that will begin to thrive in a situation like this and start to ask yourself, what talents do I have? What accomplishments what have I achieved that can help me pivot potentially into a new industry. Some industries are going to take much longer to recover than others. Travel, hospitality, the restaurant industry, those are likely going to take a lot longer to recover. And if you can channel those talents and those abilities into, say, something for Amazon or healthcare or technology or anything that supports those industries that are thriving right now because of what's happening in our world, you'll make the pivot much sooner and be able to get on with your career. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned Amazon. I was listening to CNN the other day and there was a report that talked about the thousands and thousands of people all over the country that Amazon 
needs to hire now. And, and I get it. It might not be that ideal career move, but if you have been unemployed, it could be a stopgap to earn some much needed income. So thank you for, for sharing that people just need to be pivot, right? And be ready sometimes to do a job that might not be a career. But let me ask you this. What about the person that has what they think is a seemingly secure job? I mean, the reality is the safety net is gone now. So should that person who, you know, might feel secure in that corporate job be looking? Because tomorrow could be very different than today. I have always been a fan of passively searching. So even when all is good, and if you had asked me this question in February or January, I would have given you the same answer which is our, our most successful candidates tend to be people who are always passively searching. They're always weighing out what's out there, um, exploring the landscape, not actively looking to leave their jobs, but talking to a recruiter when a recruiter calls, engaging on platforms like LinkedIn so that they know what's out there in the market, what their industry is doing. Um, and always keeping that resume up to date. Now, sadly, what we find is that females tend to to wait until they have a need to update that resume and start that search, where our male counterparts update the resume on their first day of the job. They've already taken credit for most of what's in the job description on their resume. Yeah. And they are always passively searching and advertising their new expertise and their new talent. Yeah. And well done, gentlemen, right? We can learn a lot from right. you. And <laughs> we can learn a lot right. from you. Quite frankly, that is really important wisdom. So I appreciate that. Yeah. And you know, not everybody has downtime right now. A lot of people are working around the clock, but it's it's a wise investment of your time to make sure that LinkedIn profile is looking good and showcasing you. So how how might we highlight accomplishments, especially during COVID-19, because the new virtual reality has made a lot of our jobs different. You bet. You bet it has. And so, you know, if you lead a team of people who you have now transitioned to a complete remote workforce, and you've, if you've done that, you've likely done it within a week to two weeks, um, you know, that's an accomplishment. And switching to leading a team that is fully remote or operating fully remotely and still successfully and effectively taking care of your customer or your client, whether that's an internal client or an external client, those are all accomplishments worth bragging about. Keeping the product, keeping the company going right now during COVID-19 will be an accomplishment that we see on a lot of resumes within the year. You know, I'm so grateful too that you said, look, you got to brag about this, right? Because the the hazard of working virtually is not being seen and heard as much, right? We're all Zooming or using GoToMeeting or whatever platform, but those um, connections are very different than in person. So how does one communicate and stand out with their boss or their supervisor when they're no longer in the same building? That's a great question. And I think the answer is do your best work now. It can be very tempting when we are working in our pajamas, which I am not a fan of, but if you're choosing to work in your pajamas, it can be very easy to get distracted with everything. Laundry is never as attractive as it is when you work from home, right? And so if you're taking time away from your work, you're not performing at an optimum level. And your boss is going to be continually looking for the people who make her life or his life easier. 
right? That's how you stay noticed. So it's no different than at the office. But the upside is if you're not the person who's always taking that coffee break with the boss and you feel like you're not getting as noticed as someone else, and now is your opportunity to stay in constant communication, schedule a Zoom call, update your boss, make sure that you are performing at your top level because now it is performance that will get you noticed. You know, I used to talk to clients about being recession-proof, and and that may be a a new reality down the road. Economically, we don't know. But I I talked about, um, you know, really showcasing your value add. And it seems to me like resilience and adaptability and ability to just pivot, right, and and reinvent quickly are really important qualities, not only for now, but but the future when we come out on the other side of, of COVID-19. So what are your thoughts about what employers are looking for when we get back to some semblance of normalcy? Right. I think, you know, being a problem solver is always the key to being a great employee. Right. So when you can showcase that you've solved problems, that you've jumped in, that you've rolled up your sleeves and made it work, whatever that situation might have been. And we're all going to have those stories. And when you present them in a way that you showcase what's good instead of instead of a complaint or, oh, my gosh, can you believe we had to do this instead of, wow, look at the opportunity that came when you talk about it in an interview, about the opportunity that came instead of the problem, it changes the entire perspective for your potential employer. Beautifully put. So we, we touched on this earlier in the show about how Amazon and grocery stores, drug stores, you know, all those vital uh, parts of the economy that are still open for business are desperate, truly, certainly our healthcare, uh, desperate for uh for people to work. But I've heard from friends and colleagues and neighbors, you know, we're out walking the dog and you're talking 10, 10 feet away, right? For social distancing. But people are saying, gosh, is that going to compromise me? Maybe I'm in a more professional management role, but I was laid off. No fault of my own. Should I take the Amazon gig to just get by? What's your take on that? You know, I think that you have to do what is best for you and your family. And The one thing that is different now than, say, 2008 to 2010 is that we are all in this now, Yeah. right? The the recessions of the past hit different groups in different ways. The entire world, literally, and we can't overstate that, the entire world is impacted by this, right? So I think we will look back on this time with more empathy in many ways, for people who said, listen, I had to go take care of my family. I went and you know took the job at Walmart bagging groceries because that's what I needed to do. I decided to be a, a shipped shopper um, and deliver groceries to people. And you know, the other side to that is that in itself opens all kinds of doors. We tend to poo-poo companies like Amazon and working on the you know, in logistics or on the manu- on the um, floor for Amazon. But the truth is, there are a lot of other people you're going to meet, and it's going to massively expand your network. And that's never a bad thing. Nicely put. And you know, you're so right. The common denominator is that we're all human, and we're all going through this together, and we're all vulnerable. So yeah. I'm, I'm grateful for that. Thank you for level mm-hmm. setting that. You know, Michelle, you're probably hearing it day in and day out with clients, friends, and colleagues 
people are panicked. There's a palpable anxiety. So you are such uh, a wise coach and professional and you've seen it all. This is slightly Mm -hmm. different, but what are your thoughts about coping strategies as we navigate COVID-19? You know, I think that we need to give ourselves a little bit of a break and remind ourselves that, you know, you don't, you see those memes online, right? About how Beethoven invent, you know, created a sonnet in, on, you know, during a, flu epidemic or something, you know, and the truth is that you don't have to come up with the next great idea while you're self-distancing, you know, but we do need to give ourselves a break. It's okay to be anxious, but I think the most important thing is to remember to deal in reality. Ask yourself, what do I know for sure right now? And focus on that. Focus on what we know for sure, what is directly in front of us, Find ways for you to meditate, get a little more centered. For me, that's baking. It's not staying still. I don't do well when I stand still. So, you know, it's finding those coping mechanisms that work for you, giving the people in your family a little bit of space, being willing to speak up and ask for a little bit of space, and then also using this time to assess your career. You know, what are the things you've liked up to this point? What are the things that you really want to change? Now might be a great opportunity to make changes. Maybe you never had, you thought, gosh, if I leave my job, you know, what's that going to do to my family? Well, if your job left you and you really don't like your industry anymore, this is a great opportunity. Yeah, Yeah. a great opportunity to get quiet with ourselves and really think Mm -hmm. about what matters. So it's interesting because we're really in in this beautiful gig economy and so many people are self-employed and they've got their own... uh, uh, consulting practice, or they're they're selling something, or they're selling a service, which is terrific. But it's it seems like this might not be the most opportune time to hang out your shingle, even if it's virtual. What are your thoughts? Because you run your own business, I do, and we've had this business now for eight years. It started out as just me. We're now a small but mighty team of four, and um, you know I think about that every single day. But the truth is, some of the best companies come out of a time when um, things got tough. Right? Yeah. Find find a problem and fix it. Right? Again, you don't have to create the next best thing, but if you see a need and you can find a way to get paid to fill that need. Go for it. Awesome. So, Michelle, you're the owner of Merfeld Career Management, and your team and you write amazing accomplishment-focused resumes, and you provide job search coaching and interviewing and salary negotiation. Have you seen a surge in clients right now, or are people in a bit of a holding pattern? And, and I guess with that, I'm asking, are, are companies hiring? You know, besides Amazon and the grocery stores, are, are other companies hiring? They are. They are. So what we're seeing is obviously there are some industries that are not hiring the restaurant industries, for example, hotels, things like that. But what we are seeing is that the companies that are beginning to thrive, um, they're still going to need all of the support, all the companies that support and supply their industries. So, you know, healthcare needs medical device. It needs manufacturers. It, so all of those sales positions, all those manufacturing positions that support healthcare, then become a piece of that. And not only are they hiring then on the manufacturing floor, say for an engineering role, but then they're also expanding their need for HR, operations, 
um, finance, CFOs, et cetera. Awesome. You know, it, it's really interesting. We hear this term, the new normal. I use it quite a bit mm-hmm. now too, but some people say, hey, I, I don't want to work remotely. I really want to be engaged in person, brick and mortar with my colleagues. And we're also hearing that some companies are saying, well, this is working. Maybe we'll give people more flexibility to work remotely. What's your take on all of that? Yeah. And so, you know, we're seeing the same. We're seeing a lot of people say, oh my gosh, I love this. I never knew how great this was. <laughs> and and a lot of senior executives saying, wow, look at all the money we're saving. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I do think that we need to dig in and learn the software, learn the technology that will allow us to do it and learn ways to cope. Because I do think more of the new normal will look like this. Now, I think there will also be room for both. And so for people who want to be face-to-face with people, want to be able to have that in-person conversation, you'll see more of it. But I think you'll see fewer people going back Mm. than, especially if they're allowed to work remotely. Maybe Maybe they could, they had the option in the past they'll likely um, take take you up on that option moving forward. Yeah, it certainly may change the way we work. Michelle Merritt, I learned so much from you today. Thank you for putting us at ease collectively. I can just feel some shoulders <laughs> relaxing, right? People exhaling around the world. This is tough stuff, but I'm, I'm really grateful for your insight uh, and your experience as an executive strength coach and certainly owner of Merrifield Career Management. I want to help people find you online. It's M as in Michelle, mm-hmm. E-R-R-F as in Frank, E-L-D.com, Merrifield.com. And I'm really grateful for your time on the show today. Thank you so much. And please Thank you. good care out there. Thanks so much. Thanks, Michelle. We'll take a quick break, and when we return, we'll continue hearing from people with advice on how to adapt to the changing career landscape in the time of COVID-19. Your working life is powered by your stories. We want to hear more from our listeners about your experiences in the workplace. Tell us what challenges you've overcome or tips you've learned along the way. And even better, if you don't have the answers, let us know what issues you want to know more about. We want this podcast to serve all of your working life needs. Send me an email at caroline at carolinedowdhiggins.com. I am so thrilled to welcome back a colleague and now a dear friend to the show who's been with us before. Her name is Amy K. Hutchins. Amy K., welcome back to the show. I am just over the moon that you're with me. Oh, Caroline, I am so excited to be here. It's a privilege and an honor to be back. So thanks for inviting me. You are so welcome. And Amy Kay is a speaker, an author, a trainer, a business analyst, and a cool aunt, which I absolutely love. And I like to to share that title. I do not have children of my own, but I am an aunt. So thank you for being an aunt friend. (laughs) Absolutely. And, And I'm really excited to have a conversation with you today about coping and communicating and handling new feelings through this really anxious time. Now, you know, to be candid, you know, we have a global audience and you and I are sheltering in place in our respective homes, as are the rest of the world, as is the rest of the world. We're all remote. And 
our teams or clients, you know, communicating with them is really challenging right now. So let's start off with what about communication? What do we need to remember during this very different time? Communication is always important, irrespective of what's going on, but it's even more important in turbulent times. I have said, Caroline, for years that if you want to be a great leader, if you want to be a great salesperson, if you want to be a great uh, spouse or significant other or friend, you have to be a great communicator first. And that is more important than ever. Yeah, I totally agree. What are some tips that our listeners can put into place? I don't know about you, but I've got Zoom fatigue, right? And whether you're Zooming or you're on WebEx or you're Skyping, really wonderful platforms, and I celebrate them. But there seems to be perpetual meetings now because we're working from home. It's so true. And I think that we can all relate to that, including what I call spelunking in people's nostrils. I think we're all a little (laughs) over that. But I, I think that one of the things that we always talk about, especially when it comes to leadership and communication, is that we're always saying leaders should be approachable, accessible, and adaptable. And again, that's more important now. So what do I mean by that? How, how do we do that differently in turbulent times? Well, when we talk about being approachable, a lot of leaders are in the mode of, I'm going to tell you how it goes, and they're very robotic. And I think that one of the first things I'm going to ask everybody to do is to just be a little bit more human be a little bit more vulnerable and to lean in while still keeping a very good distance. I'm going to ask you to lean in and start communicating in a way that shows that you're accessible. And I'll give you a very specific example. Many people listening to this right now are a little inundated. There's a lot in their inbox. You may not be able to get through everything in one sitting. It's very important for you to send out to a direct report or to a valued client. Hey, I got this and I'll get back to you tomorrow by four. It lets people know that they've been seen and heard, even if you can't give them a solution in that moment. You know, I so appreciate the clarity of that because I think there's an added stress and I don't think it, I don't agree with this, but so many people feel like they have to respond instantaneously because they're home. And the perception might be, hey, are you fooling around if you're not responding quickly and you're not totally on top of it? And like we just shared, the volume is greater right? There's more that we can do. So thank you for that clarity. That really helps. It's a simple and yet really profound way of saying that, you know, I'm, I'm witnessing you, I'm seeing you, this is important. I just can't resolve it right now, but I'll, you know, I'll have a solution for you soon. And the other thing that I think that's really important is we talk a lot about, again, it's, a, it's another buzzword right now is about being adaptable and being adaptable, but I'd really like everyone to think about it as we are living outside example right now. And so it's very important for all of us to set a new good example. And being adaptable can be everything from we've got to break some rules. We've got to put some new protocols in place. We're going to start treating people with equity instead of equally. And what I mean by that is that not every customer and every direct report has the same exact needs. And so we need to be more responsive rather than I'm just going to follow the rules. I so appreciate that. I want to go back to vulnerability, right? Because I think it takes courage and bravery to actually be vulnerable, especially if you're in a leadership role and you want to have what might have been perceived as the game face, right? I've got it all together. I can handle it. When these are really anxious times and ambiguous times. So walk us through what it means to be authentic and vulnerable, especially in a professional setting. Well, it's being credible. And so a lot of times what we do is 
we sort of put this mask of, oh, it's going to be fine, or oh, I've got a solution, or or why are you worried? I, I've got a, I've got it all figured out. And I think when we say to be vulnerable, we're, what we're talking about is credible clarity and calm. It's the idea that I could say, Caroline, I'm, I'm just, you know, a part of me is a little stressed too, and and a part of me is is a little um, frustrated, and and a part of me is a little concerned. So here's what we're going to do with the information that we have. So what I've done is I've leaned in to say, I'm experiencing some of the same emotions that you are. And here's what we're going to do as a thoughtful response with the data that we have. So you're still lighting the path forward. At the same time, you're connecting with people to say that what they're feeling through is, or what they're feeling and going through is valid. I love that. You know, and I, I personally believe that leaders that are more authentic and vulnerable and courageous about sharing those feelings are, as you said, more credible, more trusted. So this is all good, right? I hope this is post-COVID behavior as well. But I want to toggle to an awesome article that I read recently that you wrote in entrepreneur.com and you gave really wonderful communication tips about all of us that are living in our homes with with family members, right, that we're not used to interacting with on a 24-7 basis. So walk us through, you gave four very particular tips that I thought were really, really compelling. Oh, thank you for that. I I feel that one of the hardest things for us to do is we all, we're working from home, but what we're not used to is the, how much time we're having together and what, what it is that we're doing with, you know, family members and now kids at home. And so I gave very specific examples such as communicate your feelings clearly, but without absolutes. And what I mean by that is When we respond to somebody as I'm stressed, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, what we've just done is tacitly communicated that that's a 100% absolute. So a brilliant phrase to reduce tension, to communicate more clearly, and to allow space for other emotions is to say, a part of me is angry, a part of me is stressed, a part of me is disappointed, and then that allows all this other room for love, respect, inclusion. And so it just really de-escalates the tension, whether it's with a spouse or a partner or it's with a kid. That is really beautiful. And I think it's a self-calming uh, opportunity as well, right? So not only are you helping those around you experience your feelings, you're, you're doing this self-zen calming. I love that. It's an internal and an external way to connect. It really is. So let's talk about validating feelings first. One of the things that, and this goes with the professional example that we just talked about, is that when you are talking to somebody and they come to you with the, you know, I'm scared, you might be tempted to react too quickly with, well, don't be scared. Don't worry. There's no need to be stressed. You're overreacting. Stay calm. We, we know that all of that is oh so not helpful. And so one of the very first things that I'm going to ask everybody to do is to validate first and then problem solve. So to simply say, I get it. That makes sense. I understand. And then what can I do? Or how can I help? Or what, what would make it better? But to first recognize the emotion that they express so that, again, they feel heard understood and validated before you become Mr. or Ms. Fix-It. Love it. Love it. So the next one just made me smile and I'm going to let you unpack it, but it's about behavior and, and how we might be a little more playful. So tell me about that. 
I love the idea of flirting. And one of the things that I find always, you know, the, the amusing response, sometimes hysterical, is that super high achieving, go getter, uh, type A women are like, what do you mean flirt, Amy Kay? I'm trying to run a homeschool and I'm trying to put meals on the table and I'm trying to do my job, you know, at my A level. And, and now you want me to flirt? And, and the answer is yes. Because while we're flattening the curve, what I also want to flatten is the divorce rate coming out of this pandemic. And I think that it's really important to remind yourself that you are with this person and there is a magical connection that is exclusive to this relationship. And so it's really important to just take a few seconds to connect and to remind yourself that you're a team getting through this together. And a little flirtation really does lead to greater intimacy and connection, especially needed during stressful times. Beautifully put, beautifully put. So let's bring it home with alone time. It almost sounds like a paradox. How do we get alone time when we're literally sheltering in place with our loved ones? It's it's interesting that, you know, there's a lot of people right now that are by themselves. And so they're they're craving more connectivity. But then there's another group of people that are like, yeah, I've this is this is intense. This is a little close for comfort. And you have children and you have pets. Some people have um, stranded friends. Some have extended family members. And one of the things that I'm going to encourage you to do is to think about staggering alone time. And I'm going to also say, because I know our audience, it is not selfish. It is smart to stagger alone time so that if you can get 30 minutes alone, if a spouse can get 30 minutes alone, if your kids are old enough to have 30 minutes alone and you don't all do it at the same time, then you actually get more time apart. So for instance, I had um, I was coaching a, a client a couple of weeks ago and she's like, well, we all take a break from 4 to 4.30. We all have alone time. And I said, okay, that's terrific. And if your husband had another 30 minutes of alone time and you got another 30, well, now you're up to 90 minutes apart <laughs> during the day. And that makes you want to come back and see each other more. And she's like, yeah. oh, great idea. I love it. I love it. Absence makes the heart grow fonder, even when you're sheltering in place. Absolutely. <laughs> Amy Kay, I treasure you. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on this special series. And I'm grateful to have the opportunity to speak with you about how to create some semblance of normalcy and comfort during COVID-19. I, I always learn so much from you. Thank you. Stay safe and take good care. Up next... We'll talk with a working mom about how she and her partner are trying to work from home with their very young kids around. Hey, I'm really excited to welcome a delightful guest. Erin Hager is going to join us. Erin's a freelance journalist who primarily covers issues related to health and healthcare policy parenting and maternal mental health. And Erin's a mom of two and her kids are one in four. And her life, like many others, has changed dramatically with shelter in place. Working, parenting, and trying to entertain those preschool kids 24-7 while she and her husband are also trying to work in the same space. Erin, welcome to the show. Hi, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. How's your, you're so welcome. How's your day today, right? I don't know about you, but I'm taking it one day at a time. 
Oh, absolutely. That's the only way to get through this, I feel like. Um, but it's been a pretty good day so far. We've got lovely weather here uh, in the Kansas City area. And so we had the kids outside this morning and now it's my work time and they're napping. So gotcha. <laughs> it's the quietest yeah. time of the day. I believe it. You know, I think um, your scenario as a working parent is ubiquitous with so many folks out there, but let's describe your scenario. So you and your husband both work, you mm -hmm. are a journalist and your husband's an engineer. So help us understand what that day-to-day -day is because your kids are tiny, right? It's not like you can say, go play. Someone's got to watch them, right? They're, they're young enough that it, it, they can get into some trouble, right? Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So uh, as a freelance journalist, I was already working from home, of course, before all of this happened. Um, and my husband was able to transition to working from home fairly easily over the last couple months. Our kids were in childcare three days a week, and those were my work days. And then I was with them the other two days of the week. So of course that changed <laughs> and yeah. we're all here together. So my husband and I's workloads differ, of course, and he needs to get like a certain number of hours in a day and a week. And like he has meetings to attend, whereas I have deadlines and projects. So we kind of take an approach where we check in with what is on each other's plates every day and every week and kind of divide it up into shifts, if you will. Uh, yeah. So, you know, one of us is, you know, with the kids during a block of time, the other one's working and then we switch. Uh, but it doesn't, you know, mean that it's exactly the same every day. Uh, there are days that I'm watching the kids more, he's working more and vice versa. But yeah, it's uh, like both good and bad that they're the ages that they are right now. Because on one hand, I'm very grateful that they're not in school. Yeah. And we aren't having to like handle homeschooling on top of all of this. Uh, that I like kudos to the parents out there handling that on top of a full time job. But at the same time, they are so young that they can't exactly be left without supervision. So yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you on the shout out to the parents who've got to help their kids with schooling. That's a whole other job right on top of yes. it. So I get that. So how how do you cope? Right. And, and mm -hmm. as a freelance journalist, I mean, this topic is blowing up, right? I mean, you just see mm -hmm. everybody addressing it. So I'd love to know from a journalist perspective, you know, what's hot, what's everybody's talking about. But as a mom, as a as a woman professional, who's also trying to, you know, keep her career afloat while keeping your family safe and, and entertained. What are your personal thoughts? Yeah. So there are a couple things that kind of help get me through each day. And the first is really prioritizing myself and my self-care as much as I can. And I'm really only able to do that because my husband and I are in such a uh, a privileged position right now with all of this. I mean, it's tough for all of us, for those with with children, without children. But, you know, my husband and I are both still employed. Um, we still have an income. We are all healthy, safe, and we're all together. And we have the ability to lean on each other. Um, I also don't know how, you know, single parents are dealing with this right now. I'm very 
feel very, very glad and lucky to have a partner to be able to kind of tag team this. And because of that, not only are we able to support each other in our work, but I'm able to get out in the afternoon while the kids are napping and go for a run or a walk. Yeah, we're able to get up before they do in the morning and kind of get everything set up for the day, get our coffee. And those moments of just having some time to reset and feel a little bit more like myself make all the difference. The nice weather lately is huge. Um, you know, there's, there's never a good time for something like a global pandemic, but I'm glad that it's springtime and we aren't, you know, stuck inside in the like dead of winter. So I also think you know, and in all aspects of, of parenting, of work, of just existing, um, I have like had a history of depression and anxiety. And I uh, dealt with some postpartum depression after my son was born. And I really learned lessons then about how I really can't take care of my children the way I want to if I'm not well. So even though I, I know it is very hard for parents, and I think particularly mothers, to uh, kind of take up their own space and put their needs at the top. But I feel like that's the only way I've been able to really get through each day is making sure I'm well and my needs are met so I can take care of my kids. Good for you. You know, that's such a good lesson. And it, it's not selfishness. I think it's self-preservation, right? You, you're Absolutely. a better mom, a, a better spouse, right? And a better, whatever relationship people have with you, if, if you honor yourself. So let me ask in a safe space, and I appreciate you being so candid um, about postpartum and just other, you know, struggles that you've had because you're human. So thank you for being so honest. I've had these meltdown moments, right? Which were very unexpected. Have you had those crazy moments where you just think, oh my gosh, this is a global pandemic, you know? And, or, or maybe just a moment that was completely unexpected that threw you. Yeah, it's, I've been telling the people in my life that I have never felt such a roller coaster of emotions yeah. uh, at, at one time or even in one day. I kind of feel like I'm cycling through these moments where I'm up in the morning and I'm like, oh, it's okay. We've got this. We're together. We have so much to be thankful for. And then a few hours later, you're like, I can't take this anymore. Yeah. And then <laughs> you're kind of spiraling, worrying about the people in your life, uh, worrying about if you're when you're going to get groceries and possibly exposing yourself. So yeah, it's so much all at once, which is, yeah, another reason why I think taking care of yourself is so valuable. And I think too, when it comes to juggling all of this at once, providing full-time childcare while you are also a yeah. full-time employee, I've done a little bit of lowering expectations and kind of loosening this insistence on productivity, at least the way that people think of productivity, mm -hmm. in that my workload is enough right now. And I'm very thankful that I haven't lost a great deal of clients, but it is not as booming as it was a few months ago. And I just had to, you know, accept that and be at peace with that and know that this is the best I can do right now. It doesn't mean it's forever. And it doesn't mean that I'm not being successful or I'm not achieving what I want to achieve. It just means that 
right now. I'm also taking care of two very young children. And that means that I'm not going to be able to pour as much of myself into work as I would otherwise. You know, I'm so grateful to hear you say that. And I think that is um, a lesson and an opportunity for all of us to give ourselves that space and permission to say, this is a moment in time, right? So it's not about work ethic or passion or commitment, but it's expectation because there's so much we don't have control over right now. So well done you. How did you get there? Did it take some time or <laughs> did that come to you naturally? Yeah, it it's taken some time for sure. I have kind of adjusted a lot of my expectations since becoming a parent to begin with. Uh, That was a lot of my struggle early on, especially the feeling of kind of like losing a sense of control over like the flow of my day. You know, you can come up with a schedule, but that doesn't mean the kid knows, oh, now now I'm going to sleep. Now I'm going to play by myself. Okay, mom. Um, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So it's been a whole process over the last four years of letting go and learning to be more flexible and kind of reshaping this idea of success. Because I think especially right now, you know, if you are putting in, you know, any kind of work, even if it's a fraction of what you normally would do, if you are keeping your kids fell and fed and safe and well mm-hmm. and happy, you know, that's enough. We don't have to be out here writing the next best-selling book or yeah. teaching our kids advanced math every right. single day. You know, it's just, I think I've really had to accept like, Today I I kept them alive. I kept them happy. I sent Nobody one was hurt. email. Yeah, <laughs> and and you know that that's enough. That's good. That is success. I love it. You know, it's interesting too because uh, so many friends and colleagues who have kids, and, and I do not. I'm an aunt, and I've got nieces and nephews. But it's hard on the kids. Now, yours are are mm-hmm. young, one and four. Mm-hmm. Are you seeing anything through them? Maybe not the mm-hmm. one year old as much. I don't know if they're quite verbal yet. But mm-hmm. it's stressful for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So, well, before I get into that, I just want to give a shout out to you and all the aunts and uncles out there in the world because we miss ours dearly. My kids love my sister and um, they just play such a crucial role in their lives. So not being able to see them has been tough. But yeah, I mean, for the most part, I've been like really impressed with how well both my four-year-old and one-year-old have handled this. There are definitely moments, um, I think, particularly my four-year-old, it's common for kids that age to kind of regress a little bit in some things when their structure is thrown off, when things change in their lives. So he's had, you know, a little bit of trouble um, with some behavior stuff, um, a little bit of like restless with sleep and stuff like that. But for the most part, he's he has done pretty well. He misses his friends. He misses his preschool teacher. And I think he's really craving social interaction with other yeah. kids his age. And, you know, you, you do see that. Um, and I just try really hard to remember that this is hard on all of us, young yeah. people, older people. And I also think kids in general, and particularly mine, can kind of feel and absorb your energy, right? So if you're kind of stressed, if you're 
um, feeling heavy, they pick up on that. And I don't necessarily think that I need to like full on protect them from that, but just an awareness that they feel all of this too, even if they can't verbalize it. So it all comes back to the giving grace and understanding and lowering expectations and just being there for them and for my partner. Love it. And you mentioned before the show, before we started, um, that you have a mantra, right? That you're trying to repeat to yourself every day. Would you share that with me? So... I have been trying really hard to just like live in the moment (laughs) Mm. and um, easier some days than others for sure, but try to remind myself when the hard times do come that this is a moment that will pass. (laughs) Um, And even though we don't have an end to this, whole ordeal. We don't exactly have a date in mind when things will go back to quote normal. Um, There will be a moment when things kind of settle. So when both kids are crying, I have a deadline. I try to just like feel that sensation in my body. Like, okay, this is uncomfortable. This is hard, but it will pass. It won't last forever. And, you know, we'll get through this. I love it. And I remember you saying too, the kids are loved. They're safe they're cared for. I don't need to make a gourmet dinner, right? Frozen waffles are awesome. And I agree with that. (laughs) Yeah. And, and that reminds me too, um, you know, a a screen time is such a a hot topic (laughs) and it, it's a, a really one that like so many parents struggle with myself included, and it can really make you feel guilty. Um, and I will say, I mean, we have been using it a lot more than we would otherwise, you know, the, the shift thing with me and my husband works great until he has a meeting at 11 and I also have an interview. What do we do? Yeah. So yeah, you know, there are shows, there are movies, we are letting the preschooler play games on his iPad. But I also try to look at that as a, a long game, like over the course of his life, is he getting quality interactions with other people? Is he learning, you know, in addition to having some screen time as well? And yeah, just trying to keep in mind, he's happy, safe, loved, fed. And that means I am doing what I need to be doing. Yeah. And at that moment in time, thank God for the technology, right? Exactly. Rock on Disney Plus, right? Exactly. Watch a movie. <laughs> yeah. And there's, you know, there's a whole wide range of content out there that is yeah. very educational. I think he's actually learned a lot from some of the games he's played on his iPad. That's and great. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I, you know, I always want to make that plug because it it can be so hard for parents to like find a good balance and not beat themselves up over that. But I really think as long as you keep it in perspective, you know, it is what it is and we are all just doing our best. Yeah. And I really appreciate that message, right? Because we don't want parents to beat themselves up, right? Be forgiving. And as you said, there's some great content, right? So this is this is not wasted time. It can actually be an educational opportunity as well. Right. Exactly. So Erin, I'd love to hear one thing that you do for yourself when you can, right? I get it. I appreciate your focus on self-care. And I think that's such an important message always, but especially now with the pandemic and sheltering in place, what's one thing that you might do that's a, you know, something for you when you, when you get a chance to make it happen? 
Yeah. Well, I mentioned the walks and the runs in the afternoon. That's just the first thing that comes to mind because getting outside just does something for my mood that nothing else can. And that's also, you know, 30 to 60 minutes of just alone time. I mean, I do bring my dog with me, but she doesn't really talk. So that's a bonus. (laughs) (laughs) But it's just I can kind of zone out and just have some moments in the sunshine, be physically active and just not have to worry about anyone else for that small bit of time. Um, you know, I'm I'm trying to like FaceTime friends more and reach out to folks, but that can also be hard to do when you feel so kind of just like emotionally spent at the end of the day. But I really do think getting out of the house for me is huge. I had trouble with isolation after my son was born. And so getting outside, getting some sunshine, taking just an hour where no one is like asking me for another snack (laughs) does a, a really wonders for my mood and mental health. And thank goodness it's spring, right? So we can finally get outside, enjoy some fresh air and some sunshine. Exactly. And yeah, when the kids are going crazy, I like to get them outside too. It's just like a good reset. It just kind oh, yeah. of yeah, helps everyone feel a little bit better. I couldn't agree more. Erin, thank you. What a joy to get to know you. I am so grateful to have the chance to speak with you about being a working mom and coping strategies and how you're dealing with shelter in place. Thank you. I I really also appreciate your authenticity and your vulnerability. Absolutely. Thank you. It was fun. Erin, I wish you good health, great joy, much abundance, and let's hope this thing ends quickly, right? So we can get back to life in a different way. I don't want to say as we knew it, because I think it's going to be different, but I think we're all ready for whatever's on the next side. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, listen, stay safe and take good care. Thank you. You too. And if you like the show, subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud. And even better, leave us a review because this helps new audience members find us online. And a special thanks to my podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, Executive Producer. We all wish you the best of health and peace of mind during COVID-19 shelter-in-place. I'm Caroline Dow-Higgins. Please take good care and be well.